Hello, welcome to more of the Richard Herring podcast feed, powered by Acast Plus. Uh, hope you're enjoying all these tour podcasts. There is still a chance to catch some, though they're selling out very fast. Uh, we, in fact, Sheffield on the 7th of March sold out. Uh, but check the theatre website for returns. Uh, Monday, the 11th of March, Adam Buxton and Lemsis A in the Leicester Square Theatre sold out. But you can get tickets for the Warwick Arts Centre, where I'm talking to Lindsay Santoro and the Exploding Heads internet phenomenon, and at Bedford on the 21st, where I'm talking to Olaf Falafel and my old friend Al Murray. I'm at Glasgow uh, on the 27th of March, sold out, Susie McCabe and Fred McCauley, and then at Hull on the 28th of March with Tommy Cannon and Bob Morton. Uh, there are three tickets left as I talk to you so get there quick if you want to come and see that also this richardherring.com slash come and see me on tour doing stand-up for the first time in six years richardherring.com slash ballback coming lots of places around England and some places in Scotland uh, and that's about it for the moment all right sit back relax and enjoy rahalastapa Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to another Rahala Spurt. This one recorded back in December 2019. It was a simpler time, wasn't it? Boris Johnson hadn't yet been re-elected Prime Minister. We could touch one another. Do you remember that? We could spit in each other's faces and it was just a bit of a laugh. We'll get back to those times, my friend. Don't worry, it'll all be good. Uh, the guest is Fern Brady. We're in front of the biggest live audience... Rahal has ever had in Glasgow, wonderful crowd, uh, and maybe it ever, maybe we'll never be able to gather in these numbers ever again. Um, and that will be my excuse if I never get an audience that big again. So uh, if you have a board during lockdown, uh, there's lots of things you can do. You can become a badger and see hours and hours of backstage videos and all my stand-up shows. com slash badges. Loads of extra extras. Uh, and if you don't want to spend any money, you can come to twitch.tv slash rkherring and watch me usually at 8 o'clock in the morning clearing stones off a field, usually 7.30 of an evening playing snooker against myself. On Wednesdays at 8pm, I am doing a live-streamed Rahalastabo with some of the biggest names in the world of comedy and beyond. Um, and we might chuck in some other stuff. So I know Me14 is very keen to show you more of his stamp collection. There's the Queen Mother. He loves her. Um, and we might do some other stuff as well. I play football manager sometimes. We might do some Scrabble. And I'm going to just use it whatever I can to 
create funny laughs for you. It's all free. You can follow me and get notifications when I'm on. If you want to give some money, you can. You can subscribe. If you're with Amazon Prime, you can give a free £5 a month to me if you can be bothered to link your accounts, find out how to subscribe. There's a video in the YouTube channel, Herring1967, on YouTube, which will explain how that is done. You just have to go. remember to go back once a month and resubscribe once you've linked the accounts and done all the initial business. It's a little bit tricky to start with, but it's five free pounds that Ian Amazon is sitting on. He doesn't want to give it away, but he has to if you find the secret. He's like a leprechaun sitting on a pile of gold, and he's hoping no one knows it's there. But make him pay. Make him pay for my comedy. All that money goes towards making more podcasts, and we're donating some to the Heckle the Virus campaign at JustGiving.com. We'll be giving £2,000 this month as a result of Twitch subscriptions and also the extra revenue we raised from the As It Occurs to Me feed on Rahelastapur. That's out every Friday, so do listen to that, and you'll be helping us give money to comedians and also the cast of A. Ottima, who uh, are currently all out of work. Anyway, let's sit back, relax, and enjoy a brilliant Raha Lastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Fern Brady. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Glasgow Theatre Royal. Please welcome a man who was disappointed he didn't get the interview with Prince Andrew. It's Richard Herring! <laughs> Fuck yeah! Hello, Glasgow! Biggest audience, biggest audience we've ever had. It's the first time I've ever done a podcast in Scotland. It's amazing. I mean, I've done about 100 in Edinburgh. That doesn't count, does it, Glasgow? That doesn't count. We know that doesn't count here. Welcome to Richard Herring's Longshank Stone Theft podcast. Um, Got to come up with new ideas. I haven't said whether I'm pro or anti it yet, so don't, don't get, be hissing me for the... For the memory of Edward, they still... They don't forget here in Scotland, I tell you. Edward I, still very unpopular character. <laughs> um, you've got to come up with a new... I thought I'd do a podcast now, a sort of history thing, just about the... Stone of skin! <laughs> it's all very well doing this when I'm in London, isn't it, Rich? It's all very well doing your funny... Scotch accent. In... <laughs> now there's 1,200 actual Glaswegians in front of you. You're not so brave. Will I get out alive? We'll see. I was, uh, though I, was handing, I was hanging around in the Arlington bar uh, the other day where, where, the, the, where the real Stoniskin was taken when it was stolen in 1951 by some students. Uh, and they claimed that they, they actually, they, they took, the one they gave back was a counterfeit copy and the real one sits on the bar of that pub. Do you know that? Uh, they, gave, uh, they gave the stupid Sassanax a, a replica, didn't they? That's what you did. Uh, and a drunk man sitting at that bar who believes that story is true, he told me it calls it Rahelastapur. So we'll see if that, we'll see if that, <laughs> see if that catches on. So, um, uh, what's been going, it's been quite a trip. I will mention Prince Andrew before I got onto the trip. Yeah, Prince Andrew, um, I'd always wanted him as a guest. Uh, <laughs> he's done an interview. I mean, this is going out in months' time, but I think it was, people might still remember. Uh, and, uh, uh, he finally did an interview. I mean, if he did this interview, my producer, Ben, would have had to bleak pretty much everything he said as it incriminated him. Uh, so, so he did say he was going to go for a second interview with someone else. I was hoping it would be us, but then he kind of got... His mum said he wasn't allowed to be in the royal family anymore. <laughs> and I reckon if he was in a human centipede, Jeffrey Epstein would be at the front, because 
You know, he's so honourable. That's the thing with Prince Andrew. He would just have to thank him for all he did uh, for him. Uh, it's been quite a trip. We come up today on the train. Um, uh, the trains were... I thought I was going to make it. We had to... Uh, the train down to London to come up to uh, uh, Glasgow was uh, cancelled. So I had to get a cab across to Milton Keynes. It cost £120. That's how much I care about you, Glasgow. Uh, and on the... You know, I, I sort of worry sometimes about coming to Glasgow. It's got this reputation of being a rough place. Uh, it's not true, uh, and uh, I was on the, the platform of Milton Keynes uh, Railway Station at 10.15am. Uh, my tour manager, uh, James, was wearing one of those Palestinian kind of black and white kind of... The, the kind of scarf that a dick wears, to be fair. <laughs> I didn't say anything to, to him about that, but you know the kind of... You know the kind of thing I mean. This guy drinking a like, energy drink and looking a bit shaky came up to him and said, do they do those in men's, mate? Uh, and... <laughs> And he went, what? He said, you, he took him about four to goes before we understood. And then, and James said, are you taking the piss? He said, yeah, I am taking the piss. <laughs> and he was like, literally, he wasn't, he was, he was trying to get, have a fight with us. It's 10.15, mate, we've both got trains to get. Why are you trying to get into a fight? So we sort of started walking away and I was laughing, mainly because I thought it was quite a funny joke. And he said, are you, he said, are you laughing at me? I said, no, I'm laughing at you. I thought that's what you wanted. He said, do you think you're funny? I said, well, yeah, I, actually I do. I think I am. <laughs> funny uh, but I, in the end it was a bit intimidating so we told on him to the member of staff <laughs> it was very good the guy came down and calmed dinner and then when the man came the man came to him and he said and I said it's being a bit threatening and weird it was literally out of nowhere the guy said he said I had a shit tracksuit <laughs> which he did but we didn't it's interesting he was then dissing himself so we got away without being beaten up but it was close even before we got to Glasgow, but we are here now. So I'm going to crack straight on because uh, our guest has, is uh, d- double, doubling up tonight. She has another gig, if you want to go and see her after she's been on here. Uh, she is probably best known uh, for selecting the music for ITV programmes. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, will you please welcome the amazing Fern Brady, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sit down, put the microphone here. Hello, lovely to see you again. I just saw you back there. It's good. I'm seeing you here now. How did you know about that job? I know everything about you. (laughs) I've done some research this time, Fern. Fern was on in there when I did the Edinburgh Fringe version of this. I didn't really do any research for that one. I was doing them every day. It was hard, but I've really looked into your life this time. Yeah, you did. So for for a while, you were selecting the music for things like who's who's been framed and stuff like that. You've been framed. framed, Yeah. (laughs) Who's who's been framed? So it's (laughs) Prince Andrew. Am I right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein, who's with me? Yeah, Glasgow's pretty much behind me on those two. Yeah, for about four months I had this job where uh, basically any time someone falls off a ladder and you've been framed, I had to pick the funny music to go over it. <laughs> or uh, like the Jeremy Kyle Christmas special, you had to pick like the sad music for when people get reunited with our birth parents. <laughs> and I got sacked for that, yeah. Did you guess what did you were you choosing inappropriate? Music? I did, yeah, yeah, I did do that a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> what did you What did you do? Which Which inappropriate music did you choose? I don't, like, are you not allowed to say? Like things for like, oh, I don't know. Just for a little joke, there was like a thing about like soldiers and poppy day, and I put okay. like sort of cheerful hijinks music over it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like didn't, didn't go out, did it? 
Um, oh, no, I didn't go out, but I'll be like, oh, look at this. And, uh, yeah, they hate that. I said, you can't do that. You've got to yeah, be serious. Yeah. You've got to take this job seriously. Yeah. <laughs> You've been framed as a very important show. Yeah. Well, who had the last laugh, you or Jeremy Kyle? That is the question. Oh, I, he, yeah. he was so odd looking in person. Like, right. he'd, ha- he'd just had an eye lift. Like, he'd had his eye bags cut out in plastic surgery. And he was very small and yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he spent all his money and just then just think I'll get some plastic surgery done cosmetic surgery and then bang you're out yeah well I get in trouble for saying that because it is true he just had his face done yeah (laughs) I know you're very honest Vern that's what I like about you you don't care you don't care and that is that's a very good thing so um, uh, you you were born in Bathgate yeah. Near Edinburgh or a part of that? Is it, is it in Edinburgh? Nah. No. It's, I mean, it still like... feels weird being honest that I'm from Bathgate because I'm used to lying and saying I'm from Edinburgh for years. <laughs> and then Lewis Capaldi kind of put it on the map and it was great. Because <laughs> <laughs> before that we just had Susan Boyle and that's not as good. <laughs> she's very good. She's, a very, she's very good as well. Uh, and uh, we did... The, the two of them. <laughs> not, not bad. Um... Oh, let's talk about this. You were on Russia Today, uh, the, uh, the news. That I, was, I was on the pilot of this show. I didn't, I didn't really know what Russia Today was when I went on it. Yeah. Uh, and I was, it wasn't broadcast, but I was on the pilot of this thing. It's called The News Thing, is it, with... Uh, Sam Delaney. Sam Delaney. And uh, me and Sarah Pascoe did it, and then we, really? found, yeah, and we found out what it was, and then we went, oh. And they asked us to come back again and said, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. They... Alex Salmond was on as well. He's oh. done it. He's, <laughs> Probably by the time this goes out, we can say no. We won't say it just in case. <laughs> um, I for about a year I lived off that terrible Russia Today program. Yeah. Basically, Russia Russia Today uh, has a comedy panel show that it's really dodgy because obviously no one tunes into Russia Today for the comedy. And, uh, uh, but the money was, was amazing. On a Friday, like, a limo would come and pick you up, and then you'd get all this money, and you'd be on with really weird people, like Sean Ryder yeah. for the Happy Mondays. Yeah. I was on with him twice, and he's, like, a nice man, but he's fucked from drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and I just... I felt okay about doing the programme, because I sort of felt, oh, you know, I'm maybe on my way up in comedy, but Sean Ryder, I remember him... His chewing gum was getting stuck to his veneers and we had to stop filming because <laughs> it was all coming out of his mouth. And then, so you'd have Sean Ryder on, then they'd have, like, Nigel Farage on. Um, they'd always have, like, the most evil politicians. Yeah. And then I would meet them and they would be really charming in person. Not, not Farage, though, uh, I didn't do an episode okay. with him, but um, Simon Danshock, do you remember him? No, I don't. He was, like, a Labour... He was a Labour politician... And uh, at one point, he was going on, like, double dates with his ex-wife and his new mistress. Wow. And uh, just up to... I think he, he, he was just a sort of perv. Right. <laughs> he was lovely. Was it, like a, was it like a sitcom double date where his wife was on one side, side of the restaurant and his mistress was on the other side? That he had to go between the two. No, they no, all went they on nights together. out, so they were that's, a throuple, basically. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> um, I mean, if anyone's up for doing that uh, with me and my wife... Just do give me a ring and let me know. Yeah. Ken Livingston. He yeah, was Ken on Livingston it. was on. Don't like, he was that little lizard thing. I don't like him. <laughs> um, Did he mention Hitler? 
No, he didn't wow. really talk to us, to be honest. Oh. He was a bit up it. Um, and you can't be up yourself when you're doing Russia Today's comedy <laughs> panel show because it's hard times. And then event, my boyfriend kept saying, what, this is such an unethical programme to be doing and you have to stop taking the money because I'd left off it for about a year. And yeah. then uh, I was like, right, <laughs> better stop now. Yeah. We made that decision after... I know, I feel quite away. bad. But we did, do, you know, I did... It's, it's called RT. You think, I'll go on RT, that's fine. You know. Shit, I remember what? the day I stopped... Right, this was yeah. the day I stopped doing it. This Salisbury thing had happened. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Thought, oh, and, uh, yeah, maybe the Russians aren't that nice after all. <laughs> right. no, no one's proved they did it. The, and the t- one of the topics was, uh, how do we know the Russians did this? <laughs> And I was like, I don't think I can go on and do that. <laughs> and then just last minute before we started filming, the producer was like, oh, yeah, we're, we're not going to do this as a topic. And then I stopped doing it after that. Because <laughs> that was a t- too much to admit on our Russia Day that they might have done. It would have been too much. Uh, incredible. Uh, so uh, let's, I'm gonna, let's go straight in, because I keep forgetting to do emergency questions. Let's have an early emergency question. Um, let's see where we get to. I'm going to go random. It's not going to be that page, because that doesn't work. Um, this is a Christmas-based one. Um, uh, what is the smallest amount of money you have received in a Christmas card from an elderly relative? I've got a... I've got a um, I mean, I think she's like my... Technically my... I mean, she's my auntie, great-auntie's daughter. Does that make her some first cousin or something? She, sent me, she said, still sends me five pounds for Christmas. <laughs> like a five-pound note. No, I've I'm always, 52. I think I've always got at least 10 or 20 pounds. But someone I knew in Bathgate, her sister gave her just a, a chip for Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> and that always stuck in my in head. In Bathgate, that's worth a lot. That is, that's like having <laughs> cigarettes in prison. Um, <laughs> how much did you get? Because you're younger, a lot younger than me. How much did you get from the tooth fairy when you, because now I've got kids, I've got to start working out how much I'm going to give to the tooth, for, from the tooth fairy for teeth. Do you remember how much you got for your teeth? No, I genuinely can't remember, but I used to write really earnest letters to the Tooth Fairy, and I was quite embarrassed when I found out it was my (laughs) (laughs) mum. Um, no, I can't remember. You were very innocent. You were talking backstage about believing like a badger was a real badger in school, and it turned out to be a puppet badger. Yeah. You were very, you were very trusting, believing child. Yeah, yeah. It's heartbreaking. Um, Heartbreaking that we lie. Why do we lie to our kids about stuff? And then it's fun, like tricking them. I have to say, <laughs> I love him. my son's two, and I, he's nine. He just about started to understand Father Christmas. So I've told him he'll come down the chimney. He goes, Father Christmas chimney. He's so he's in, he's into the lie, and it's fucking hilarious because it's, it's, it does. It's us. It's us. We don't even dress up. Um, my mum used to like tell mad lies to us all the time. She yeah. told us she was a contestant on the Crystal Maze. <laughs> uh, she told us. That she was going on blind date and leaving my dad. One time she one time she said that we were all moving to the Isle of Skye. And that was really fucked up because I went in and like told my teachers and I was like, Listen, I'm leaving school. And it was only when my best mate's mum phoned up my mum and was like, Oh, she's crying and stuff. <laughs> then my mum was like, Oh, it was just a joke because yeah, uh, child reading's boring. Yeah. <laughs> She told, my, she told my brother she was a demon one time. <laughs> I'd be scared to tell my kids stuff like that because I think they'd, they'd kill me in my sleep if they thought that was... 
a possibility. Now, tell me, you did a gig this week, I saw on Twitter, uh, where you were playing to naturists. So everyone was everyone was naked in the audience. Yeah, I did a gig to the British Naturist Society. And the number of people that I've told this to that went, oh, were they naked? Oh, yeah, otherwise it would just be a gig. <laughs> We might be having a night off. Go, look, we like taking our clothes off, but no need to take the piss. Aye, they were, um, it was a really nice gig, uh, but when I, took, when I got the email about it at the time, I was kind of busy, and I, I don't really read the emails properly, so I just thought it was a gig. And uh, then the guy was like, oh, no, they're, they're all going to be naked. I can assure you they're not sex people. We've checked. <laughs> um, but why do you want to go to a comedy gig in November... Like, in the cold with no yeah. clothes on. Um, and it was... Uh, I just don't know where even to start. <laughs> oh, right. They had gender-neutral toilets, which is, like, cool. I'm fine with that at other gigs. Until you're at a nudist gig and you're just washing your hands in the toilet and a 20-stone naked man <laughs> appears behind you in the mirror like a fucking vision <laughs> from hell. <laughs> so that happened. And he made eye contact with me, as I have to say... That, this is a bit much, eh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I went to get my pen. I went to get my pen to write my jokes out my bag. And then the organiser was like, oh, do you need help with that? And I realised I would have to have my face basically next to his balls to get stuff out of my bag. So I was like, no, no, it's all right. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I... It was cool seeing a woman clap at your jokes while her tits just flap up and down. I would and like to see that. You know when you... <laughs> do you know when you, you smash a gig and yeah. everyone rushes over at the end and they want selfies? Yeah. And, but they're all naked. <laughs> that happened as well. Okay. Cool. But I've got these sort of perverts come to some of my shows because I attract like mental people to my gigs. Yeah, that must be reason. awful. Man, it's so terrible. <laughs> Are you right, Colin? <laughs> Colin and Lee and I'm there. They might come to some of your gigs, Colin. You know, you know, oh, Colin. You know Colin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, <laughs> there was this... Um, yeah, there was a couple of guys came up to me to get naked selfies at the end, and uh, I was sure I recognised them for their gigs, and I was like, surely they wouldn't fucking come to a nudist gig. <laughs> Just... Uh, Oh, but they did so they were just guys who weren't pro- people were pretending to be naturists in order to get a naked that's photo that's quite egotistical for me I think that, but <laughs> they, they looked really familiar um, but uh, no it was cool two women were touching each other up all the way through the show they were sex people I knew they were big know, sex people but some, what, yeah. what happens if a guy gets like aroused during did that happen? yeah a man was holding his welly down during my set this is <laughs> like what if a man's doing that <laughs> and he was really fit right because I kept looking at him and then he was looking at me holding his welly down and then I was like I think he likes me <laughs> and listen to this though my fucking oh. My, then he used to go out with so my boyfriend argues with me about anything like he'll try and argue with me about anything and he said oh you won't see any willies at the nudist gig I fucking phoned him after the gig and I was like what are you talking about like I'm going to see willies dancing in my dreams forever <laughs> um, yeah yeah it's the reason people wear clothes I mean like you were saying, you were saying backstage they, they had to put towels on the seats you know it's just rude <laughs> And it's just rude because you know people 
You don't want to have people's naked bum on your seat, do you? I, I, was, I was sitting on, my, on one of my sofas without any pants on and my wife got upset, so... You know, that's in my house. Oh. <laughs> my butt, I didn't get my... I put my leg underneath, so my butt... You know, there wasn't contact between... Yeah, but I'm looking at anything. buying, like, quite an expensive sofa at oh, the yeah. moment for the first time in my life, so yeah. I wouldn't want anyone to sit on it no. naked. <laughs> Not even me? No, I, I mean, if you were married to me, she's married. She's married. She's married to me. So that's part of the wedding vows. You have to put up with a man with his bare ass on... It was a leather sofa. <laughs> it, felt, it felt good. Maybe you want to become a naturist. <laughs> um, right, let's talk a bit about you at school, because I think there's a lot... Just from what we talked about before, there's a lot uh, in there. But you... Uh, I mean, you do, I think before we talked about you had a... You, you claim you had a thick glasses and a moustache at school. You're saying I claimed that yeah. like it was a good thing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, you say it, but you're a comedian, so you could be exaggerating for comic No, events. I'm not exaggerating. I'll wore, show you Instagram pictures okay. of it. You wore an orange tracksuit to school? Yeah, my mum let me pick my own clothes and I always wore pretty mad androgynous clothes uh, and everyone called me hippie. Right. But I thought they were calling me hippie because I ate loads of fruit and my mum gave me quite hippie-ish foods. Like, I remember we were like the only white people in West Lothian eating samosas and it was well before samosas were a thing. Yeah. <laughs> And everyone called me happy, and then I asked one of my bullies at school why they were calling me that, and they were like, it's not because of your clothes, it's because of your big happy moustache. It's nice to ask, they have got the idea of having one of the bullies so you can ask questions. Can I ask you, just before you bully me, can I just ask you why you... I'm I'm the friendly bully, I'll, I'll talk to you. (laughs) <laughs> before beating you up. Uh, and you wear, a, you wear a sari to the school disco, is that right as well? Yeah, how do you know I know, everything, I know everything about you. Yeah. I've, well, I've rung up Lewis Capaldi, I said, do you want... <laughs> give me any dirt. Yeah, I had a sari on, and I had sort of henna printed on okay. my hands. I was, I was dead into other cultures. You but... were with samosas, saris. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't go well where I'm from, though. <laughs> it just seems really weird. Ah. <laughs> Sweet. Um, and do you, uh, you would, I would think we did talk about this before. You were very good at the piano. You've got oh, grade right. eight piano. No, grade six. Oh, grade six. I, I don't know why I'm saying that like someone's going to be fucking checking. Well, go to whichever paper that was. Uh, and you were the young musician of the year 2001. Bathgate Rotary Club's young yeah. musician of the year. That's right. <laughs> Man, there were so many other dorks at that. Uh, competition, <laughs> I really felt like I fitted in. Um, and you still play the piano? You, you relax by yeah. playing the piano? Yeah, I got a piano and started playing it again. How's that going? Are you still good? good? Uh, it took me a wee bit and then I got back into it. And right. uh, yeah, it's good. Because my neighbours are really noisy, so I just play it dead loudly <laughs> and shout at them. And um, aye. What kind of noise do your neighbours make? Uh, they've got kids and they okay, jump up yeah. and down a lot and yeah. shout. So. Fuckers. Um. <laughs> Kids, I mean, they're all they're off. <laughs> they're bad. Uh, and you, are you obsessed with urban foxes? I know you've done some. Oh stuff. no, that was like ten years. Was that it? was when I started comedy. Okay. What's your well, problem? No, was, uh, oh, there's a lot of kids being killed by urban foxes. Was that was that what you? Well, it was more just uh, I was interested at the time in misleading news stories, okay. or how like the Daily Mail would get fixated on a topic and then. Just keep going and going with it. Yeah. 
But that was like the first bit of stand-up I did. Was so it? I, was like, I feel stupid talking about it. Okay, we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> you were a journalist, of course. Yeah, well, like, yeah, I was training to be a news reporter in Sheffield, and then I dropped out because I was doing too much comedy, and they were like, "You have to either, you have to like stop doing as many gigs or um, drop out of the course." So I dropped out. And then one of my journalist friends at the time, who's now like, I think he's like the sports editor at the Independent or something. Right. He was, he was like, "You're making such a big mistake to drop out of journalism." But I just, it was just so boring. Like you had to <laughs> learn to cover local council meetings, and I remember having to write a story about a crow with his foot trapped in a roof, and it was just <laughs> like. And then my journalism tutor was like, oh, it's amazing the way you describe the crow, like it's a little man. And I thought, yeah, because I'm a stoner and I, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> like, I, yeah, just, I think it's one of those jobs that people think is going to be great, but is, isn't. Well, local news is tough. You know, I would think Sheffield would have better stories than a crow trapped in a roof. Well, you have I'm to going start... there next, so you know, you'll have to let me know about Sheffield. <laughs> Um, you have to start off on basic stuff. That's how you have to get into it. Like, can you somebody that just covered the Edinburgh trams for years and years and years yeah. while they got built? Um, so you kind of have to really want to do journalism <laughs> to do that kind of thing. Good. Uh, well, I'm glad you you, you got out. You got out. You, you actually did stand up. Uh, we did talk about this before. But you did stand up as like for an article, and then yeah. which which happens all the time. Like journalists are always doing. I'll try stand up and see how that goes. I don't think anyone else has become a stand-up after doing that. I know. See, during the Fringe... Oh, no, I can't say that. But... Sure you can. We're well, all friends here. Well, yeah, I won't get in... We're Actually, all... yeah, I won't get in trouble now. Um, there was this Sun journalist... Um, uh, I'd done an interview with this Sun journalist, and then he kept texting me after, uh, like, at all hours, being like, oh, I'm doing an article where I try stand-up couldn't give a fuck i've done the interview now to plug tickets for my friend's show i'm done with you right and he just kept texting and texting being like don't you want to know about my little experiment where i try stand up for the sun fuck off (laughs) anyway never give a journalist your phone number i know i just uh, it never happened to me before but it was yeah it was really odd Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
Well, let's talk. You, know, you, you, you said that uh, there's a lot of sexism still in stand-up, so that seems to segue quite nicely into that. Have you found that working your way up through the the clubs? Is that from yeah. from like the, the people running the clubs and the other comedians? Are they is it, is it still being you're still being treated? Oh well, I'm okay. It's okay. No, well, yeah. I don't, where would I even begin? <laughs> <laughs> um, on the way up, it's terrible. Yeah. But you kind of put the blinkers on to because you can't. I remember when I was coming up, I was like, "Oh, it's not so bad," but it was terrible. Uh, but you just had to kind of put your blinkers on, uh, otherwise you would get angry about it all the time. In terms of being prejudiced against you, or people just treating you in a inappropriate um, manner I remember when uh, I'll need to be careful it's not that <laughs> exit. just things like um, comedians got, uh, I remember seeing this comedian when all the Me Too stuff came out this comedian being like oh this is terrible what's happening to women and I, I thought you fucking went on about how lovely my legs looked in a dress backstage at a gig or yeah. would say pervy things like that or there was a promoter when I started who was like you're one of the best three open spots I've ever seen. And the other ones were Alan Carr and some other prick, right? For yeah. the North <laughs> And then he booked me for loads of gigs. And I was like, oh, it must be because I'm amazing at stand-up. It wasn't. I was pish at stand-up. And uh, as soon as I turned up to his club with some guy that I was seeing, I got dropped like okay. that. And uh, it's only now I'd realised the promoter thought I was going to shag him and that was the only reason I was getting booked. So there's always a lot of... Well, oh, no. I reckon I know who it is. I'll, I'll, I'll say backstage. Yeah. I, there was a promo. There, well, there was a promoter who used to. My wife, when she was doing stand up, but she hopes she'll go back to doing it again. But he would just keep giving open spots. But he booked like ten open spots ahead. Oh you no, go, I know who you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, but you go. Now. That's that's. You can't do that. You can't, an open spot is to then get a paid spot. You can't go. I'll give you five open spots because if you do a good open spot, you should get paid right for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's just dozens and dozens of things or. Um, yeah. I, I do you think really it's better now, though, or not? Or do you think it's better for you because you're more established? Do you think it's? Yeah. Think, do you think things have changed in the last two or three years? Have things Hi, changed? people are shitting themselves now. It's great. <laughs> and by people, I mean men. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like the vision I always had for the future is happening. Like we had this female comedians WhatsApp group where uh, we talked about all the perverts and comedy. And the same names were coming up again and again. And it was amazing because you really can't talk about that stuff when you're coming up in comedy because you'll get frozen out quickly. You have to really suck up to people when you start. Um, So it's quite difficult. Because I I remember people saying I was being a bitch early on for um, because I wouldn't really put up with guys being pervy. Or the thing of having to hug people that you've just met because they want to press against your tits. (laughs) <laughs> That's ended since the Me Too stuff. Right. But then it kind of sucks because then there's people... Do you know Brett Goldstein? He's this really fit comedian. Yeah. People, the nice guys like that that are rides don't hug you anymore. <laughs> 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 and, like, and then the people that are dirty perverts yeah. still try and go and Well, you can go and hug them, though. That's all right. That's yeah, allowed, right? that's true. Until the Me Three movement comes out. <laughs> And men go, actually, it's men who get harassed the most. <laughs> but, you, I mean, you still see... You still see club lineups where... Uh, well, there's a popular chain of clubs. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, not the stand. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm guessing it's not the stand. No, another, another chain of clubs that just has largely all male light. Well, not just that. There's loads of different clubs that will just I mean, it's such a mystery lineups. as to which one you're talking about. Let's, <laughs> let it carry on. Well, it could be. Yeah, yeah there's, there's it could a couple. A <laughs> um, or there's places that I tried and tried and tried to get in with for years, and I couldn't, and they had shit guys on instead. And then it was only once I didn't need to do those gigs anymore that people started trying to book me for them, which yeah. is frustrating. I think what's maybe weird about um, the circuit is that the, uh, the old racks haven't... In, when I started, it was nearly all young people. There weren't really anyone, anyone over 30 or 40. And if anyone became successful, they moved on. And now those, there's so many people doing it that the guys in their 40s and 50s haven't... You know, there's not, they're still doing the circuit. And then there's a 1,000 other people coming up beneath them. So it's... Sort of, did some of the old clubs still book the people they've been booking for twenty or thirty years, you know. So it's harder for new people to get started. But it was more men in those days, so they're kind of staying true to their mates from the early days. But but, yeah. but then it, it gets harder to come through. But then you know it should, it's got to be a it's got to be a meritocracy, and it's got to be people coming through because they're interesting and good. I think especially for stand up to survive, which is, is it's getting harder to do for stand up clubs to work. I think. Yeah, you can't make money off the circuit. No. I'm, I'm just remembering uh, stuff that happened when I was at uh, Open Spot. Um, there's this this comedian I loved when I was new, and he's uh, you'd know him because he's been in something quite big. I'll tell you after. Um, <laughs> and I, I was I, I thought he was such a good comedian, and uh, then after I'd been on and done my ten minutes, um, he was like, "Give it up for Fern Brady, everyone!" and got them to clap, and he went, "I shagged her." And I just was like, why would you <laughs> say that? So you get things like that, or people just saying sexual things about you on stage, getting introduced as the lovely Fern Brady, I'm not lovely, getting introduced <laughs> as the beautiful Fern Brady when I'm not. Like, I hated it. Like, you never introduce a male comedian as beautiful or lovely. Brett Goldstein, I would. It's the gorgeous Brett Goldstein. Alfie Brown, I've seen introduced yeah. as, because he's really good yeah. looking. yeah. The, I, the feminine uh, Alfie Brown, I would say. <laughs> the femininely beautiful Alfie Brown. No. Um, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a very good comedian. He's a n- n- nasty, nasty comedian. He's good. Oh, um, he's so filthy. <laughs> so I saw you on Roast Battle. We did Roast Battle uh, on the same day. And you've done oh, that before, so, Oh, so we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, do, uh, what, uh, that Comedy Central stopped, stopped, is stopping making new programming, so there might not be any more series of that, but uh, no. you've done it a couple of times, right? Yeah, that was it's my get, second time. Yeah. I enjoyed the, this, this one uh, much better. Right. Was it... I roasted my friend Phil, yeah. uh, Phil Wang, um, and it was, yeah, it was good. He ruined me, though, because for every <laughs> joke that I had, he'd done, like, five jokes. Yeah. Um, but... it, do people know this show? It's basically comedians, yeah... You're, allowed, you're meant to say the most nasty things about each other you can. Within certain parameters, there's some things you're not allowed to... There's a list of things you're not allowed to joke about. Did they tell you this list? And it's sort of weird, because there's some things on it you kind of think, well, why is that on the list? You know, because there'll be certain yeah. notorious cases of nasty things happening to especially children that they say they've oh, mentioned. But then there'll be, there'll be, like, a specific terrorist incident... You go, why that one specifically? Is like, why, why, why have people been coming in doing loads of jokes about that terrorist incident in yeah, roast battle? It doesn't seem very likely, but yeah. Yeah, there's so much. They're like, the show where anything goes apart from the dozens of jokes we're going to try and take <laughs> yeah. off you. And it's, always, it's weird, though, because they'll try and put, like, they've had, 
There's really not much I can say without get, I'll get in trouble with okay. my agent. I don't want to get you into trouble. That's, but that's... watch Roast Battle out in January. It's good. You were very fun. It was, but it was, it was a good programme in, in the sense that it's got a lot, of, apart from me, a lot of new, young, up-and-coming... <laughs> there was me. I felt like it was felt to me like I was in um, Blind Date when they have the old couples on. <laughs> I thought, oh. Or and everyone goes, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's... Uh, it was, but it was a, lots of newer people and, and very good. The, everyone was really good on it, I thought. Who were you up against? I was, I was up against uh, Sarah Barron, who's, you oh. know, who in female terms is very, very old. In, she's 40 <laughs> years old and still on TV. That's, yeah. I mean, that was basically my line, was, you know, that's about 140 in female on TV years. It's like a dog. I really want to see her show. Sure, yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. She, she was brilliant as well on it, but uh, that'll be coming up. That'll be coming up. Did you not find the audience at that, though, or a bit? The, the audience, because we don't have a tradition of doing comedy roasts in the UK, yeah. the, sometimes if they do an insult about your looks on it, the audience will freak out, like, but that's all the woman has. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it's a roast. We're supposed to be saying horrible things, because Phil said I looked like a trans Fred Flintstone. <laughs> <laughs> The worst thing was just before we went on, I was wearing a dress and I tried to look girly for once and I was like, do I look nice? And he was like, you look, you look lovely. And he said it really earnestly. <laughs> then just fucking ruined me. <laughs> well, if you were being horrible, I mean, if you start being horrible before you got on, that's a different thing. Than yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Right, we'll do some more emergency questions. I'll do some classics. I'm trying to work out, I'm trying to remember if I asked you any of these uh, in the past. So I'll try and do one that we haven't asked before. Um, uh, did I ask you about your t- having a time-travelling finger last time you were on? You'd yeah, remember you remember Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. I won't ask you that again. That would be awful. Did I ask you... I, did I ask you the human centipede one last time? No, but I haven't seen that film. You know what it is, though, right? No. Well, the human centipede is a beautiful romantic film. <laughs> about... bums sewn together? Oh, if only it were. <laughs> if, only it was, if only it was that, that would be quite lovely. Because if everyone just had their bum stone to go, it would just be like you'd be eating and then, oh, it's a bit difficult to poo. <laughs> um, it might be worse. It's, uh, it's people having their mouths in a line so to the anus of the person in front of them. So the person at the front... Yeah, some fans. <laughs> I'm surprised there's some fans of that in Glasgow. I, so the person at the front can eat and then they poo in the mouth of the person behind them who poos in the mouth. It poos all the food, the poo that's come through. So double filtered poo. No, it's a, it's a real-life thing that we're all going to try later. Um, I no, it was it's an film. art house film. Well, it's not. I mean, I wouldn't say it's an art house film. So I think certainly when you get Human Centipede 3, I think any pretense of art will have been left behind. Um, no, it's not. It's a sort of distasteful horror film. So a mad scientist sews, <laughs> sews three people together, mouth to anus. So, the, you know, the one at the end has only nothing three. on his anus and the one at... Yeah, only three. I mean, you could go for longer. I, 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 never, I actually have never watched the film because it sounds disgusting. <laughs> I'm imagining... If, if, it, if it was human said to be four, it should get to be more people. It should be four people, shouldn't it? What year was it made? Um, it's, that's the first question everyone asks when they hear this. Because <laughs> I hate black and white. Uh, I'm not sure what year it was. It's been around for a while. I'd right. say 20, 15 to 20 years ago. Any aficionados? I mean, it's, it's an embarrassing question to know the answer to. <laughs> Richard, it was well, filmed in 2005, as everyone knows. 2010. 2010. <laughs> Who, were you in it? <laughs> you, what was that? Audition. 
you auditioned. <laughs> so my question is, if you were in a human centipede and you're in the middle and you got to choose who's at the front and who's at the back, who would you have in front of you and who would you have behind you? I would have Alfie Brown behind me. <laughs> okay. Because he's really dirty. Yeah, he's dirty and he, deserves, he would like it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then I could see his pretty face. <laughs> um, who would I have in front? Does it have to be a comedian? No, it could be anyone you like. It can be anyone or anything. <laughs> well, my first thought was like, say the Pasco or one of the vegan comedians. Yeah, that's a good choice. I feel bad saying it because like, I really look up to her, so I'm not saying that. In the well, you would be looking up to her. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the hardcore maybe Ramesh because they're vegans. Okay. So it might be nice. I mean, really, out of those two, I think I'd definitely go for Sarah myself. <laughs> I don't know if I want Ramesh's. <laughs> I imagine he's got quite a big beard on his ass as well as his first <laughs> Whereas I'd imagine Sarah Pascoe's is... I've never imagined her ass. <laughs> I've never imagined her anus. But I imagine it's fairly well kept. I mean, any, any vegan comedian, yeah. not to single them. Okay, okay. Are... Any ve- that's all of them, basically, isn't it? Oh, they're all going on about they it. They are. Yeah. Any danger of becoming a vegan? Oh, I'm a vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're I, all... So you can't really complain. I watched that Netflix thing that's, like, geared at getting fucking cage-fighting guys to be vegans. Did yeah. you see that? No. It's just come out. It's, like... All the guys that are into, like, MMA and stuff. It shows that uh, Conor McGregor guy getting battered to fuck by a vegan cage fighter. Okay. <laughs> and then it's, like, you can be big and strong by being a vegan. So I watched that, and that made me want to be one. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no reason, like, a vegan, vegan can't be big and strong. That's kind of, you know, as long as you're yeah. eating some protein. Yeah, you just cut out nice. the middleman, eh? It's not, yeah, it's nice. Cut out the middleman. <laughs> That, if that happened, that would ruin the human centipede, though, wouldn't it? If you did that, so that's that's not a, such a good film anymore. Uh, so you're on tour at the moment. Well, no, today's the last. Is day. it? Oh, it's, yeah. I, like wow. after I'm going to do my last one after this. Wow. But then I got asked if I wanted to extend the tour because okay. I sold the tour because like because uh, I sold my tickets for the tour and it wasn't a disaster. And then I wasn't going to extend it. And then I was watching my friends do, like, a normal Saturday night comedy gig. Yeah. Like, the people they were performing to were just idiots. So I was, like, on Monday, I was, like, I'll, I'll go back on tour. Okay. No offence, by the way. No. <laughs> no offence to you You're guys. You're a podcast audience. <laughs> You're You've okay. got to understand. Yeah. Well, what comedians have to do on a Saturday night is play to, like, stag and hen parties that hate you. Um, well, so, it's difficult. It's a different thing once you've got used to uh, people who've decided to come and see you yeah. personally and have come and are into your stuff, then that's a lovely audience to play to generally. Yeah. And then if you go back to the clubs, uh, you know, then you've got, you're starting from scratch with most people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so it's, it's, a, it's a different beast. Yeah. So you've got to kind of do your more crowd-pleasing stuff possibly in those kind of gigs and you can do what you want to do in your own shows, which is understandable. So you're going to take it, you're going to do it for, you're going to so extend I'll it? So I'll do a little handful more from January okay. and then I'm going to film the show as a special in March at the Orin Mar. Oh, great. Um, uh, and I'm going to do the Duchess Theatre in London, which is like a 400 seat or something. But, um, and there's a new. Going to do a new show after that, or is, is the? Well, I need to. After that, I'll I'll start a new show in November yeah. next year, probably. And you're writing. You're writing a sitcom at the moment. 
I'm writing a pilot that's never going to get handled. And what's the, what's the, it might, well, look, it's so different. Writing sitcoms is the, as we were talking about a little bit backstage, is like the worst. Yeah. In terms of the amount of work that goes into it and the amount of your dreams being crushed. Yeah. By the boot of an idiot who decides whether it goes on TV or not. What's, what's, this, what's the one you're writing? Can you talk about what it's about? Or is it because you did one called Radgers? Yeah, this one's about when I was a stripper and I was really bad at it and I kept telling all the guys to fuck off and stuff. I, just, I basically was a stripper with zero uh, skills to suck up to men or yeah. like, no salesmanship. And uh, it, it was really hard to, for ages, it was kind of hard to try and sell it to people. And then that Hustlers film came out and I was like, oh, well, that's a thing showing strippers as real people. Except I want mines to... I don't want it to be like Hustlers where it's like, look at J-Lo's cracking body during, the, <laughs> during a pole dance. I want my programme to be something people think they can have a wank to and then just feel horrified by. <laughs> <laughs> you underestimate men. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but when I worked in, like, the strip clubs in Edinburgh, it was always, like, there'd always be, like, sometimes Glasgow girls would come through to do shifts in the Edinburgh clubs, and, like, I really like Glasgow, but Jesus Christ, man, Glasgow strippers, they'd be like, oh, oh, I've just had my nose done in the Czech Republic. Oh, God, my nose is burst. So these, this girl came in one time with a full cast on her nose. And couldn't understand why our boss was like, you need to go home. <laughs> men don't want a lap dance from a girl with, like, blood streaming down her face. <laughs> yeah. Beggars can't be choosers. That is the... That is the... But I know people go on about that a lot. I, the, the stripping part of the... But it's just, like... I mean, you were saying in an interview, I think, somewhere that there was less sexism within the, the stripping industry than within the comedy industry. Not that it's more that it's just all laid out on the line, whereas in a lot of other jobs, not just in comedy, but a lot of office jobs even, uh, people become blind to sexism that goes on. Yeah. I think. Um, And a good thing with stripping was you learn to establish boundaries with men. If a guy tries to touch you, you get a bouncer, I'd take him outside and batter him. Whereas (laughs) you don't have that in the comedy world. No, that'd be useful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to suggest that for future gigs. So what? They're very nice, aren't they? This audience. Oh, so yeah. far, <laughs> we don't need to have any of them bad. You know, Milton Keynes is the only time I've nearly been in a fight today. Oh, oh, sorry, I thought you did a show in Milton. No, Keynes. I did. I just was on the. I was just in Milton Keynes. Yeah, I works. mean, it's fucking horrible. Oh my god, my dad lives there. Oh really? It's like my least favourite place to tour. Yeah. Sorry, to anyone in Milton Keynes. Yeah. <laughs> Do come and see Fern. In, in, <laughs> this goes out everywhere. I can't really stop it going to Milton Keynes. Yeah. We could try and stop Milton Keynes. That's the only thing we could try and do. Um, yeah, no, we just... Uh, just uh, It's kind of weird. 10.15, we nearly got in a fight. Was someone looking for a fight at 10.15 a.m.? That surprises me, because I find them to be very... Uh, they are very friendly yeah. in Milton Keynes. Not this guy. Mind you, he was going to Birmingham, so it might have been... Oh. Luckily, he didn't get on the same train as us. There was two trains. <laughs> we kind of went down the end of the platform, and then we weren't sure he wasn't there, so we walked round the back from the other platform, so we didn't see him again. Oh, no. And not we're not, you know, we're just grown-ups. <laughs> I wanted to come to Glasgow. Like if we got into a fight, and then go, well, I've got I'm doing a gig. There's a thousand people coming to see me. Oh, all right, never mind. Did you ever find your makeup that you lost at the Wales Comedy Festival? The fuck. 
I think it was you. I just remember being yeah, here. I remember I was in the dressing room. room. Yeah. Yeah, Dad. Did you find it? Oh, good, because I was worried. That was the first, <laughs> time, that was the first time I ever saw you. In, no, it's in not. I actually it? met you at a okay. charity gig where you and Sean Hughes blanked me heavily. Oh, did we? I didn't meet you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's dead now, so you, you've, had the last, you've had the last laugh. Uh, yeah, I did a shelter charity gig. And that doesn't sound like me. It was, uh, you were on Sean Hughes, Stuart Lee... It was like an amazing line. But Stuart Nice to you, was, did he, didn't he not Well, like... my first ever TV yeah. thing was his oh, program. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was Tommy, that, Tommy Shepard that runs the Stand Comedy Club got me on Stuart's program. Sure. Uh, I think Stuart seemed a bit taken aback that I did. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah, know he's very sexist, Stuart, so he won't, he won't have... <laughs> no. I... <laughs> I just remember him saying, oh, you're very erudite in the, when you write in The Guardian and... I knew that was a kind of codified thing of like, but you sound like this in person. <laughs> like, I'm not stupid. I know where... I get, I get stuff said to me sometimes in London that I know is code for, how can you write well, but your voice is like this? Yeah. Um, and it's fucked. Like, I got to... My agent said, oh, the producers of QI came to see you and you've got the wrong energy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it means bam energy, does it? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't. I just don't want to do that thing that Scottish people do when they move to London and start talking like Carol Smiley or whatever. Yeah. Or uh, Tar for the Lib Dems. <laughs> Joe Swenson. Do you ever think? Because I'll sometimes be like, "What lengths would you go to to get famous?" And then it's like, "Well, will you start talking like Joe Swenson to break America?" <laughs> like, I just don't know if I can. Well, I think it's good. What I really like about you is uh, that you don't take any shit, and that you don't. You know, I think it's important for comedians not to toe the line. It's difficult not to toe. It's difficult not to toe the line because you think, oh, "I want to get to the next stage, and I want to get the work and stuff." But I think if you stay true to who you are. Then you'll do better in the long run. That's what I. That's what I like about you. Oh, thank you. Is that you uh... I've really burned a lot of bridges. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't matter if you burn bridges with the people who ultimately are, are idiots. Don't don't talk to me about it because I don't really have any kind of career. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've, I've burnt a lot of bridges. I've had to make, put on my own stuff. That's the only way. The only way I can get a job is if I employ myself. It's worked out okay. Yeah, but that's the way forward. It is, like yeah. Lemmy's saying about his. Tw- uh, I know, Steven yeah. It's Twitch stuff, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that. Hey, look, we're going to have to go because there's a cab waiting to take you to your yeah, next gig. It's shit. gone, it's gone very, very fast. Um, bothered, yeah, do check it if you haven't seen uh, Fern. Do check out, uh, go and see her live. Well, yeah, come to my big Orin Marshall. Yeah, come want. to Orin Moore. He's uh, here in Scotland. Uh, it's, it's part of Scotland. It's not. Yeah, but, but these Amer- big Amer- Americans are flying yeah. over. To, I've got like a proper producer and director coming to film it here. It's like a proper it's gonna thing. Be, it's going to be amazing. Of course, yeah. it's a, you know, even though it's in Scotland, it's going to be a proper thing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do the Scot- people, Scottish people down. They're great. They're a great. They're a great lot of people up here. Um, Shit, I've really blown it. Uh, just, just, I nearly got off. I could have got off, and that would have, the rest of the show would have been fine, and now I've ruined it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, please give a massive round of applause for Brady! Thank you, buddy. Yeah, thank you. We'll be back next week. Come back next week if you can. We've got someone coming next week. See you in a minute.
You have been listening to Rahala Stapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Fern Brady. Thank you to Pest for continuing to provide me with music. Thank you to everyone at the wonderful Theatre Royal Glasgow, our biggest audience of all time. You were awesome. I'm indebted to my producer, James Hingley. I'm indebted to my series producer, Ben Walker. I am particularly indebted to my executive producer, Jav Remilliard. That's right, Jav Remilliard. I like the sound of this guy. Uh, we called him Jav the Marv on set. That was the nickname. And Remilliard the Billiard, we called him as well. We had lots of nicknames for this guy. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Go to GoFasterStripe.com. You can buy emergency questions books. You can buy Trump games that will help us make more podcasts and also provide you with hours of entertainment in this difficult time you can also buy my downloads of all my shows dvds and other books and also the dvds and downloads of lots of fantastic comedians or become a badger go faster slash badges and get lots of extras and loads of cool stuff and be a cool kid forever there's a badge and everything that proves it thanks for listening guys we really appreciate it see you on the next one bye No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart and I'm travelling around Europe, following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks very much, richardherring.com slash Rahalastapa for those remaining Rahalastapa dates, Rahalastapa, and richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour to find out all the tour dates for my upcoming stand-up. Would love to see you at those ones. Please book tickets if you can. All right, enjoy another podcast. Don't listen to anyone else's podcast but mine. Stay faithful, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.